Fire, a weekly podcast with Mina Curry, an Ayurvedic practitioner and spiritual teacher who brings the ancient, time-tested wisdom of Ayurveda in this time of great upheaval and global ascension to inspire you to the next level of your spiritual evolution. She will discuss all topics related to your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you ready to be free of all suffering and soar to your heart's calling? Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to this week's uh, podcast episode. I'm happy to have you join me. So these are live episodes uh, that I just go live on and then they become podcast. They are available on all the podcast channels. I'm Nina Puri from Ayurveda Healing Center. And um, so, you know, what came to me today for this podcast topic is that it's good to talk about food, the good old food, right? That topic that we can talk endlessly on. And here's why I thought it would be a good topic. You know, we are moving into transitioning into fall season. And we can tend to, uh, there's just a natural tendency as the weather uh, cools down a little bit, there's a natural tendency to uh, stay more indoors. You know, we're adjusting, we're trying to adjust. I've noticed in myself, I'm trying to adjust to the drop in temperature. So there's a tendency to kind of stay home, eat more. And because uh, the food is, the fresh food is harvested, is so much at abundance, which is all a good thing. But that can, is, you know, lead us into the winter months where if this continues can cause a problem. But much more than that. So that's why I thought, you know, this would be a good thing to discuss. But... You know, my forte, where I can grind my teeth or I can rather sink my teeth is really at the root cause. I, my bigger question always is, why are we struggling with what we are struggling with? So when we look around, there is no shortage of knowledge or information around us. There's no shortage of food. Perhaps that is the problem. Um, around us. There's options and, but in my practice and around the, you know, people I continue to come across, there's still so much struggle around food. So is it because we need more recipes? (laughs) You know my answer to that. I don't think that's the reason. You know, long, long time ago, if all of you go back to, wonder who's tuning in. If you go back to, you know, your grandmother's mother's time, was that because, you know, we ate well because, not because we had a lot of recipes. And so I I say that in a sarcastic way because the recipes are coming out of our ears. Wherever we look, there's recipes galore. 
So if more recipes could solve our dilemmas and our confusion, I say go for it. But that's not where it is at. So when I, when I was writing my first book, as you know, um, Healing Your Food with Relationship, the Ayurveda Answer, uh, the book came about because I, you know, I would cook at my retreats and workshops. I also did many nutrition workshops where we cooked together so I could teach and demonstrate the cooking. So there was always that uh, demand for people who knew my cooking. They're like, do a cookbook, do a cookbook. And honestly, it didn't excite me because writing recipes for me is a pain in the butt because of the specification and the exact measurements. I don't cook that way. So it didn't excite me. Although I had many recipes to share, um, I did, you know, ended up including the recipes, but it just didn't excite me. I didn't care to share recipes with the world because I think we have plenty of them. Then I thought, well, maybe I should write about Ayurvedic nutrition. And you know, I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner. I'm in awe at the wisdom and the science of it. It continues to amaze me every day. But when it comes to the Ayurveda and the nutrition, there's a lot of technical details. There's a lot of, there's a, it's, a, it's an information, it's technical, but it's also something that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So Ayurvedic nutrition just does not solve the problem of how to eat to balance and how to eat for the illness that you are experiencing and how to use food as medicine, it goes way deeper than that because it doesn't talk about nutrition just at the level of the body. It talks about nutrition at the level of the mind, at the level of the psychology. So I wanted to present this such depth of wisdom of Ayurveda, but even that I thought, we can we can give people the gold. If they don't see the need for it, they don't want it. So then I went a step deeper and I really went deeper, dug deeper into what is the problem when it comes to food? Why food has become such a a topic that we can't get enough, enough of. Why is this food such a topic that we have so much confusion on and why do we continue to struggle with food? So then the deeper was, I looked at the psychology of it. Why are we struggling with something? And now I was getting excited about the book because I thought I dug deep into what the real problems are. Real problems are not lack of information or recipes or even we don't know how to cook. I mean, anybody can cook, follow the steps. So it's more, the problem is our relationship with food. So that's why I named my book, Healing Your Relationship with Food, The Ayurveda Answer. So once I concluded or, or looked at the, the, the biggest problems when it comes to our dilemma about food and nutrition, 
then I then that was the beginning of the book. Then I do go into Ayurveda and how it is the answer to those problems. So now, you know, I'm getting people interested. It's like, I have these problems. Tell me how Ayurveda can help me with these problems. So I presented Ayurveda as a way to solve the everyday problems we have with food. Like I said, Ayurveda just does not talk about recipes or spices or what's good for the body. It goes deeper into nourishment for the mind and the psychology. And it's all is built into food. It's how we think about food. Um, how do we relate to food? So that's why I'm talking about this topic. So as you know, we get into the winter months and in the last few years, I got so many phone calls where people have overdone it over the COVID time. Uh, food provided a source of comfort for many. And when we are not paying attention, then it can turn into uh, overconsumption. And also having cravings is a natural reaction. When we don't satisfy our cravings by healthier means, the cravings, the same cravings, when we're not satisfying them, they turn into addiction. And now we've gone, you know, downward spiral. So I thought I would just read from my book um, and discuss it. So I just, there are five chapters in the beginning as to what are the problems with the food and my, the, my page flipped to, I opened the page and it said desire for more. So to some extent, we have all bought into the belief that more is better. There's a certain lure to the bigger home, the bigger car, the bigger refrigerator, or an extra freezer, the big screen TV, and the computer or mobile phone with bigger capacity. And still, the desire for more remains. Perhaps there's a perception that having more confers a higher status and a better quality of life. Or we are trying to overcompensate for not having had enough at some point in our lives. The accumulation of material things, including food, may give us a higher status, but a healthier and happier life is a balanced life. A better life is a healthier life. A better life is not composed of having bigger things or more things. So... Somewhere in our psyche, we all have beliefs, we all have paradigms. Um, just trying to see who was watching or writing a comment. Um, so somewhere in our life, we have all we have paradigms that we are not even aware of. We have subconscious beliefs that are shaped by the culture around us, the families we grew and grew up in and the society. We didn't even know we were inheriting those beliefs, but those beliefs today are still 90% controlling what our behavior, but we don't know that. So that's why I talk about, you know, the belief that more is better. So when you look at the big old American dream, so many immigrants came to this country for more because they didn't have. 
So they continue to accumulate, accumulate, accumulate things only to come at the end of the race to realize they're not happy. And then we started to examine this craze for more a little deeply. And hopefully now we are starting to wake up to um, finding things that make us more happy. And what are those things? It's necessarily, it's not accumulation of things. I mean, things are nice, but what are you pivoting from? Are you pivoting from because you think having more is going to somehow fill the gap within? But when you are enjoying the material things because you're already whole inside, it's a totally different thing. It's a totally different energy. So examine your belief as to, do you think more is better? Do you think you're, you're, you would be healthier if you had more recipes? Do you think you would be healthier if you had a particular kind of foods or if you learned how to cook a particular way? So just pay attention. Food is everywhere we turn and it has become normal for people to overindulge at social gatherings. We are entering into the... <laughs> It's hard to believe the last quarter of the year, the holiday season, the food season, and snack nonstop. This, there's another, you know, the, the, the culture of snacking. When we go to the grocery store, there are more snacks than actually food that we can cook. Actually, most of the middle section of the grocery store is covered with snacks. And the snacks are now they're getting you to buy. There's no artificial, there's, it's organic, it's um, this, it's healthy, they add all the grains and all the good power foods and whatnot, and here's something you can grab and go. The bigger problem, it's not what's in the snack. Yes, that's a problem. If you're going to snack, snack healthy. But the problem is with the snacking. Because when we are, if we, when we are continuously snacking, we never give the body a chance to burn the stored up uh, reserves for fuel. We don't give our body a chance to do that because it's just trying to digest what we snack on. So you know the i mean people have snacks in the car snacks in the purse snacks if you're working in an office environment going by the main desk or whatever there's a bowl of something because we are a snack culture and we are all tempted to buy those really good snacks so when you buy them you're going to eat them it is important to point out that we can overconsume healthy food as well, at which point it can become too much of a good thing. I am guilty of that. I've done that every now and then. Overconsumption of processed food is a much bigger cause of concern as it creates a deficiency in our body that we then must seek to balance. The average grocery store sells more processed food than fresh, real food which obviously encourages increased consumption of processed food. So I want to pause there for a minute. Real food. (laughs) 
So when we added the word real food, what it really sheds light that there's a lot of food that's not real. So think about that for a minute. If it's not real, it's a synthetic. How can that be called food? So, and then we started, you know, buying into this. Oh, it's real food without thinking that everything else is unreal. Everything else is not real. And so it cannot be food if it's not real food. So this whole thing about real food, it actually points to the fact that we need to really wake up. We really need to pay attention to these terms and how we blindly buy into them. It's like a psychological persuasion, which is... Um, actually reveals the truth of it, okay? Which obviously encourages increased consumption of processed food. The more processed food we purchase, the more retailers make it available. And as more becomes available, the more we purchase supply and demand. I contend that the overconsumption of processed food products leads to disease. I have to put that kind of wording in a book. Otherwise, I'm forever doing a research that everybody's going to can attack me on. And I have to just waste my time with nonsense. So I just said content. We all know food creates health. Food also food creates disease. We don't need to beat around the bush and try to be so polite. Okay. Food is the major cause of disease. You don't buy into that. So take a day or even a meal. Eat some, you know, steamed veggies with salt and pepper. Make some vegetable soup. Just eat that. Notice how you feel. Do that for a day. Then you will know that what you eat it creates your health or creates your disease. What is it that you want to create? Prevention is the ultimate cure, and that's what we are after when we use food as medicine. We can thank the marketing world as well, again, for luring us into overconsumption. The slogan, the more you buy, the more you save, is it true only if you buy more because you need it. And because it is going to move you in the direction that you have set for your life and your health. This affects us psychologically. We don't even think to pick just one apple when there are hundreds in a bin. You know, now when you shop, this is my biggest problem with the farmer's market. I love shopping at farmer's market this time of the year. They're still open for another couple of weeks. You have to buy a basket whether it's apples or pears or whatever, or red or peppers, and it's, you have to buy a basket. And I don't need a basket. 
you know, you, they don't let you buy just two or three or one. They don't let you buy. So they're kind of telling you how much to buy. By pre-packing quantities of a fruit or vegetable, the stores are suggesting that we buy that amount. And unless we are paying attention, we just follow along. Only to realize that we have bought too much when we get home. We can learn from this experience. We can pack our own quantity in a separate bag and buy what we need rather than buying what we are told to buy. So, like I said, it's hard to do with some things at the farmer's market, but in other, in, you know, your regular grocery stores, you can buy, you, you can buy open items, although even then they have bags. They've got a bag full of apples, da 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 da, and everything is in a bag. You cannot buy one or two. And the price is what the deciding factor is. When you buy in a bag, you get cheaper. If you buy open, it's expensive, even though you end up wasting half of it when you get home. So we really need to think through because psychologically, we are really being very confused. And and the stores know exactly how to get you confused and how to get you to buy more. You know, it's, again, you have to look at your particular situation. In larger families, they appreciate that. They appreciate the bag of something or a basket full of something that they can buy at a cheaper price. They can feed a large family, less cost. But it's not necessarily the thing for people who are single, people with small families. So that's why, you know, these things, just think about, it's really, it's really to think about how, what we are consuming and how much are we consuming are directed by something, someone other than you. Just pay attention to that. That's how the, the conditioning or the programming happens. It happens very subtly. It just becomes the norm. It just becomes the culture. Before we even know it, we just do things in a way because everybody does them, because that's just how it is. We don't ask. So I am suggesting that we ask, we pay attention. More food just does not take up more space in our refrigerators. <laughs> it takes up space in our body as well. When we eat more, the stomach muscles actually expand. So next time when we are hungry, we want to eat, we will need more. And that's how, you know, the obesity weight gain happens. Um, but the good news is if we start to eat reduce the portion size and eat less the, and just give the stomach some time and it'll adjust to that as well. So don't save money, save your health, buy less. So I want to share a story with you, which is, it really, it really opened my eyes to our culture here. So I hosted a Sufi saint in my yoga studio a few years ago. This was when I lived in the United States. His mission was to travel to as many places as he could to spread his love and blessings. Many people showed up to get his blessings. Two stories about his visit come to mind. The Sufi saint's disciple asked me for water and, I, and asked that I only fill the glass halfway. He kneeled down in my kitchen 
next to the sink. I still remember that. I still remember him. And with both hands, drank the water as if it were the nectar of life. He drank it with such love and reverence. He drank the entire milk. He asked for only what he needed and did not waste a drop. The Sufi saint's comments on worry and fear also stuck with me. He pointed to the birds outside and said, do they have a fridge? They eat when they're hungry and always find their next meal. We have extra freezers in our basements, garages, and yet we are worried about our next meal. I find a lot of truth in his words. In Michigan and also in Toronto, it is normal to have a couple of snowstorms in the winter months. I'm always perplexed when I see a long lines at the grocery stores a day before the storm. You would think if you would think it were Christmas, everyone is eager to stock up and be ready for the snowstorm, which lasts a day. Aren't our kitchens stocked up enough for one day? The storm lasts a day at most, one day, and the grocery stores are packed. Instead of rejoicing in the abundance that has been bestowed upon us, we hoard. So regardless of how much we have, there is a scarcity programming running through our minds, and that's what needs to be reviewed and rewired. We are on this merry-go-round of overconsumption while moving further and further away from real health, happiness, and joy. We must get off and get off quick. So I want to see what time we have here. So it's not about, you know, the answers are not in the recipes. Um, the answers are not in what we're eating. The answers are in a deeper thinking about when it comes to food. And really the answers are for us to have the ability to question and ask and not follow things blindly. That's why this is the time to wake up, to question, to ask to pay attention to your own choices, actions, and behaviors. Food needn't be that complicated, right? We don't need um, recipes, and we don't need all kinds of ingredients at our home. Sometimes it's, the brilliance is in the simplicity. Right, so simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. When we can use a simple ingredients to make something that is nourishing both mind and soul. When we take the time to cook, we hold the food, we touch it, we smell it, we cut it. That process begins to turn our digestion on, our digestive system on. When we take food very quickly out of a package, 
heated up in the microwave and sit in front of the TV and eat mindlessly, it's not nurturing us on a deeper level. Perhaps that's the reason we keep on eating in the hopes that the next bite is going to satisfy us, and it doesn't. So um, it's really about being aware. It's really about questioning things. It's really about asking, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? How is it that you think this way? Who told you this? What does that matter? What does it mean? What is the end result? How do you truly feel? What do you think? And I think if we ask these little bit bigger questions, we're going to be amazed at that we already know the answers. So I hope that this was helpful. So start thinking in those terms as we kind of move into the holiday season. And I'm going to continue to chat about this in the next few weeks. Why not? There's a lot here. So I'm just reading from the book and discussing. Um, if you don't have this book, Healing Your Relationship with Food, and if you're struggling in your relationship with food, and if you want to learn about Ayurveda, uh, many of my clients who have the book, they call this the mini Bible on Ayurveda because I do, a big chunk of the book is on Ayurveda, but I explain it in a really layman's terms and I relate it back to how this subject matter or this idea that I'm teaching you how it can solve your problem with food. So I'm talking about it in that manner. It's, it's presented in a really comprehensive, comprehensive, but in a very relatable way. There are a lot of stories in here. I share stories from my clients when it comes to food and their experiences. So you're going to find it kind of, you know, amusing and also entertaining <laughs> to read. So I encourage you to get this book. And the hard copy is available on Amazon. You can download a digital copy uh, from my website as well. I'll post the link below. There'll always be with the video. All right. Thank you so much and uh, stay well. I look forward to speaking with you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, and I did put the link here uh, for a couple of opportunities for you. One is to join the Mind, Body, Soul membership. So I created a membership program where we, the details you will see, we meet three times a week. And I'm so excited about this because this is a way for me, for a lot of people to access this wisdom and knowledge and begin to implement uh, things in their life right away. So we meet three times a week, mind focus, body focus, uh, soul focus. The next week is body focus, nutrition, food, yoga, movement, self-care. It's going to be all kinds of topics where I teach you for half an hour and you get to ask questions that I can answer right away that you can take with you to use. Um, so it's a no-brainer. You get 14 days. If you don't think it's for you, you just, whatever you paid, you get your full refund, no questions asked. You can join anytime, cancel anytime. The link will be below. So if you need that support 
on an ongoing basis where somebody can share, you learn, you get the knowledge, you get to ask your questions, you get the answers right away to your pressing questions, and you you take tools with you that you can begin to implement your life to better your life. I think it's a great program. I have big visions for this program because it makes this wisdom, it makes the tools, it makes me available to so many people who need the help. So if this speaks to you, click the link and take a look. And I look forward to you joining. There's another opportunity. If you don't know where to begin when it comes to healing with the nutrition and food and you're struggling with food addictions and all the few things that I talked about, schedule a complimentary consultation with me. Let's talk for half an hour. Let's figure out what's going on with you, if I can help you, and what is I can steer you in the direction that you uh, may benefit from. All right. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you for tuning in. If you find the videos useful, I'm always happy for you to like it, subscribe to the channel, give me a comment, share, anything to spread the word. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Igniting Change, Finding Your Fire. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. And we look forward to being with you next week.